Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional Online Training Programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalog of leadership and professional development programs unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group, networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy to engage on demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the show today. You are again here on the Legendary Leaders podcast and I have lined up another brilliant guest for you. Her name is Jean Tien and she helps ambitious executive women reach their next level of success without the golden handcuffs or hustle and overwhelm. Why does she do that? Well, the reason is very common to a lot of people and individuals who have said, I'm going to step on this endeavor to form my own business and to serve others. And hers is basically her own story, how she has experienced her own career, her stepping up into leadership roles. She has reflected upon what created success in her life and what didn't, what got in the way. And all of that intel that insight, the learnings, her own growth, however, also her realizations what truly creates success in her life, she now brings into her own business to help other women feel more successful, but also at ease in their lives. And um, today we're going to talk about a variety of topics. We learn more about Jean's background. Right, coming um, into the country, into the US when she was at the age of four from Asia, uh, stepping into those footsteps of her parents, working hard, trying to create success for the family and building their way up in society as well. Right. But also, how does her ethnical background perhaps support her? But also got in the way for all sorts of reasons and diversity, equity and inclusion, a huge topic in the world, rightly so at the moment. And I think Jean is the best example to talk us through how it feels, what needs to be done more of, what needs to be done differently, how she experiences diversity and inclusion herself in her corporate role, as well as in her role as a coach. When she's helping other women, then she applies something called a success method. And she's going to talk us through what that actually means, what it stands for, and what are the steps included in this method to success. And we are also talking about spirituality, intuitive leadership. What is that actually? And what might we need to let go of in order to you know, create the success we truly want to create. These are just a few of those highlight topics that we are talking about. There's obviously far more to come. So I would highly recommend you pop over there and listen to the show and let us know your additional thoughts, questions, and feedback afterwards. Do enjoy. Speak to you again in a moment. 
So I'm very, very to welcome Jean here with us today. Hello, how are you? Good, Catherine. How are you? I am not too bad, as you may hear. I'm, uh, I have a really stinky cold at the moment, right? In the summer um, when you don't really need it. But um, apart from that, I'm actually really good and excited to be talking to you. Same. I'm so excited for this conversation. So, yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> for you, it's just after 8 a.m. in the morning. For me, it's just after 2 p.m. at the moment. Okay. And that means I have had uh, a few calls already today. And I thought one of the calls is actually interesting to share with you without any details and names, obviously. But I've had a, a call with a lady this morning who I've been coaching for a few weeks now. And it's been a, a really cool journey. It's been so much fun to chat to her. And at some point she said to me, you know what, if I would have found you out of the blue on LinkedIn and I would have read that you are working with high achieving women, helping them become even better leaders, I would have never connected with you. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. And I said, oh, tell me more about that, right? And she said, well, now we have built a relationship and I've worked with you and I really enjoyed it and I made progress. However, I am a person who will never distinguish between male and female leadership, men and women or anything else. We all have our challenges and need support. And I absolutely don't disagree with that, right? We all have yeah. our challenges. And I think I mentioned in the previous um, episode that uh, there are quite a few male friends of mine or former colleagues who contact me and say, why are only women? <laughs> I have similar challenges, right? However, I said to her, I think there is still a gap to be closed and there is still some help to be given and supported to get to an equal level between male and female leaders. And there are so many shades of gray, obviously, in between, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I explained to her why I'm so passionate about it and why I will keep working predominantly with female leaders. Yeah. So why did that remind me of you? Because you work with women as well, um, yes. high achieving women in particular. And I thought, let me share that experience with you. And I love that. Hear your views on it. Yeah, I love that. And it's an interesting viewpoint because and it kind of confirms what I had been suspecting all along. I think that as high achieving women, there's two things, right? They are very much focused on the goal. And so they don't necessarily look at the stories or the noise that's around the situation. And then number two, I think there's also an aspect where I don't know if they realize that they need the support or that they could benefit from the support, not that they need the support, but that they can benefit from support um, from individuals such as like yourself and myself, um, because they've worked successfully so far already to get them to that location of where they are currently today. And it's gotten them very far. And so, you know, to, to your client's point, she's absolutely right. What, what is the difference between high achieving women versus high achieving men? They're both high achieving and they get to that certain place. But I think that, you know, once you pass a certain level in your career, there is very much an unseen, unsaid, I don't know if you, I want to call it a barrier, but there are certain differences, I'll call them, in the roles that they hold between a man and a woman and the support that can push them 
further versus kind of holding them back. And sometimes it takes people a little bit of time before they recognize that, oh, wait, maybe there are stories that as a woman, I'm telling myself, you know, that's holding me back from others like men that don't necessarily hold the same stories because they weren't raised with the same stories or they weren't, you know, forced to accept the same stories. And as you said, you are working with women as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And I I still think there are slight differences in between the work the two of us are doing, which is brilliant. And, and I love having this exchange with women in the similar field, how yeah. they are doing things and so on. But it would be great if you could share with the audience a little bit more about the work you are doing and your overall setup of work as well. Oh, yeah, sure. So the work that I do with my clients is really focused on helping high achieving women up level their success. So meaning exactly what I said before, which is they've worked, they got into a certain point, And I think that they've gotten to this certain point by constantly taking the action required to get to where they are supposed to, where they want to be. So they've worked hard, they've studied hard, gotten good grades, gotten good performance reviews. And now they're either middle management or slightly senior management. And they're at the cusp of either they're, you know, wanting to go into the boardroom, getting in, but not really knowing how, or they're in the boardroom and they're called, you know, I call it the boardroom, not so much B-O-A-R-D-O-R-O-O-M, but more B-O-R-E-D-R-O-O-M, right? Because they've achieved everything and it's like, okay, so what's next? What do I do next? And so I work with them specifically to help them really understand what it is that lights them up because they've forgotten along the way or they've pushed it out of their you know, priorities along the way. And also then to really help them up level, because when you work that hard and you have multiple tasks, multiple responsibilities, you can't even imagine taking on more. It's like, oh my gosh, I already spend a hundred hours or 60 hours a week working. Like how could I, you know, do more and achieve more without having to put in, you know, hundred more hours, right? And there's absolutely a way it's, you know, there's many tools that we use to get my clients there, but all of this came to me because this was essentially what I was going through in my career. And it's currently what I go through, or not so much what I go through, but what I see when I go to my corporate job, which is the umbrella of everything that's happening, right? So I work with my clients currently as more of a passion project, as a side business that eventually will take me full term. That's the goal. Um, But in the meantime, I still do my corporate full-time job. It's an amazing experience when there's a different shift in perspective, when I know that, you know, I'm not pushing for something, but I'm using it as like staying as an experience so that I can stay present, observe the people around me and really kind of like, I know this sounds really bad, but like kind of like trial and error, the tools that I'm creating. Does that make sense? Yeah. Experiment. Oh wait, this works. Like, and so I am my own human Petri dish. (laughs) (laughs) The guinea pig. I am my own human (laughs) guinea pig. And so it's, and you know, you see, when your perspective changes from like, oh, I have to be in this job to like, oh, wow, I get to be in this job and make money while playing around with certain tools. Like it's actually a very different experience. And in our pre-call, I said to you, oh, that's an interesting setup, right? That I've experienced yes. as well. Still having this main foot in the corporate world and the role there. 
being a, a woman leader and one foot is moving slowly but surely to the outside world, um, moving from passion project to full-time passion project, really, yeah. which I found really, really interesting, uh, an amazing journey in terms of learning and growth. And it keeps being a journey like that. Yeah. But you are in it at the moment, so which is brilliant because you still have those insights from corporate as well that you can bring into your outside job quote unquote. What's your role in corporate at the moment? And in your role, what is it you are noticing in particular about women in leadership uh, on top of the points that you've raised already? Yeah. So right now I am in senior management. I'm an executive director within a bank. It is a corporate investment bank. And so I've been in finance for, wow, since... Uh, <laughs> Like I want to try to think. I've been in finance on and off since after graduating college, which I will age myself by saying, I think it was like back in 1999, 96. I can't remember. Anyway, I always confuse the, I think I try to make myself a little younger uh, between high school and college graduation. So we'll say <laughs> it was a long time ago. I've been in corporate finance for a while now. And what I have seen and what I have observed and personally experienced too is this concept of women in male-dominated industries and this expectation and these corporate paradigms that we are subscribing to of women needing to be and acting more like men. We can't have emotions. We have to dress in a skirt suit, right? Because that's the feminine thing to do rather than a pantsuit or whatever. Um, we have to be tough. And there's a lot of, I think, female pioneers in the industry, I'll say, right, that have really equalized the footing between men and women when it comes to the corporate setting, as well as within finance, in the sense that they've been able to achieve statuses that prior women could not get to. So to, to you know, to their credit, they've achieved something and they've really created a path for us to move forward. And I think when they did that, they had to be a certain way. So, and there's many, and I, you know, and, and I say that this, and I say this very lovingly because I don't want to offend anyone. I think many of these women that have created this path forward have done so with almost a chip on their shoulder, whether knowingly or, or not. It's like, they have to be or have to force themselves to be something that they're not. And they have to give up something that they may have held very important to them, whether it's, you know, more time with their family or, um, I don't know, personal passions that they just couldn't find the time for whatever it is. They've also had to give that up. And I think we see that and they've done that, you know, and they've been able to use that to their advantage. And now it's kind of like what they teach others. So it's kind of like the top down mentality of what is shown to younger generations of like, oh, here's what is required in order to get to the top where I think, you know, we've gotten there. And then it's been a very long time since I think people have reassessed and reset the stage, right, for what it is that women really truly now need to be able to get to that next level of success. Because we've seen you can get there. Now it's like, okay, what's the next level of success? Where are the next 
set of female pioneers and female leaders to get us to even a higher level of success that doesn't require all of the sacrifice, all of the compromise, that, you know, toughness and that requirement to be more like men, to be able to like be one of the boys, like it would be fully acceptable and desirable to be one of the women or one of the girls. Yeah. And you know what? I think a big part of that lies definitely in the woman herself. Yeah. How to break through those barriers, as you mentioned it, right? How to believe in yourself. What I very, very often notice is we are, and I'm a woman obviously as well, so focused on what can we do better? What can we do differently? How can we have more impact that we are actually yeah. forgetting about all the positive feedback we are receiving, the success we are achieving, yeah. and so on and so forth. Um, I had this moment also this morning where someone was so focused on how can I be even more perfect that in the example she gave me and the stories she told me, I'm like, I said, can we pause here for one moment and just remember everything you've just said in terms of feedback received, successes uncelebrated, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And she started giggling and there was this ease in her voice. It was so beautiful. And she said, oh, my mm-hmm. God, yeah, I never really focus on that, right? I just mm-hmm. run, run, run to be more perfect And we could talk for a whole show about perfection in itself. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a that's a big point. And the other one is, is the cultural environment ready for it, for that change? It's a great question. Right? And I know you are focused uh, on diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. We are going to move yes. in that direction very shortly. Yeah. Is the environment ready for it? Right? Are they encouraging it? Do they see the big why, the big benefits, right, in, in doing that? Or is it just a PR uh, yeah. endeavor that yeah. we have to talk about because everybody does and we just want to be seen in a certain way? Yeah. So is it genuine, basically? Yeah. And then is your closest environment, your line manager, for example, your team, the key stakeholders, and so on, also ready to go in that direction? Is it the new normal for them already to embrace anybody, regardless their background, age, and so on and so forth, yeah. speciality, expertise? Um, so that's that's that makes it, I believe, a teeny tiny bit more complex. And I'm glad that we are out there to help one string of it, yes. and with the diversity and inclusion trainings, another string of it. Yes. Um, but there's more work to be done all around this area. And I have talked now for a very long time because you are the best person to talk about diversity and inclusion. You have a very special story that led you to where you are right now. And I'd love you to share your story with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting that you say that because I agree with you a hundred percent. And so with the story, you know, I've actually have many and I've actually had one recently. So um, I'll share that later, but you know, it's, it's interesting With regards to diversity, equity, and inclusion, my personal views on that is that I think we have focused so much and it's got, again, it's gotten us to a certain level and now it's like, okay, I think the world is ready potentially for the, or requiring the next level, the next kind of deeper look at what diversity, equity, and inclusion is. And for me, that's not just at the skin deep level. It's really at more of looking at diversity of um, background and experiences and being able to accept everybody for who they truly are. And so I think one of the stories, Catherine, and, you know, definitely 
I have the worst memory. So if there's another story that you want me to highlight, absolutely let me know. But I think the one story that you're referring to is the one where I was in a phone call or in a meeting, if it was a video conferencing, and it was with very senior individuals. It was like the chief XOs, like the CXOs of the firm. And so we were presenting a situation for one of the, for the chief legal officer to assess and to give guidance on and to give advice on. And so what I had noticed was that the chief legal officer was, wasn't fully informed of all of the details, or at least that's what I had suspected because he was kind of taking that analysis down this path that I wasn't really sure he, you know, understood all of the details behind it. And then, so I was trying to like reconnect him to the the facts that may influence or may be material to his assessment, just to make sure that he was aware of them. Ultimately, it's his decision. My role is just to make sure that he had the information present and he could make the best decision possible at the time. So I was doing that a couple of times. He kept going down the same path. So I was like, okay, fine. That's, that's totally cool. We're good. And then, so my manager at the time had been on this call too. And he actually said after the call, he called me. And then he basically said, um, you know, you may want to be very careful about Uh, challenging senior executives within the firm because it could very much damage your career, which I thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. because I basically had explained to him why I wasn't challenging him in the negative sense. I wasn't trying to argue with him. We were having a conversation, right? And conflict can be part of conversation and conflict can be positive when there's a positive outcome from it. And in this case, I didn't really see a negative outcome from it. It was us having a conversation and just me making sure that the person making the decision had the, just had the information necessary, but it's, it's very interesting, right? Because there are, I think there are very strong perspectives or very strong ideas. I'll call it ideas of what it takes for somebody to get promoted or to rise up in, in a firm. And those ideas can either work to your benefit or they can kind of work against you. And we have, and we can't control that anywhere within our realm. It really very much has to be something that, you know, we take as part of our kind of journey. Right. But these ideas, as you can see, like they can either be supporting us, right. Or they can really just be an obstacle for for our careers yeah i'm talking about speaking up quite a lot right the ability to speak up and what's required in the environment to do so in this situation what do you think led this senior leader to advise you not to challenge um senior leadership too much yeah he actually said it he said you know he has had negative experience when uh, he had challenged other like more seniors so like not necessarily with the same players in the room but in his prior work experience he has had very negative consequences I guess um, when he had to stand up and challenge senior executives so he was just passing down the information which was an interesting perspective, I think. Yeah. So what did you do about it? 
basically said, thanks, but yeah, I know I'm good. And it's, you know, and it's interesting because that's how we, you know, I think there's a level of requirement for us to have, to just take like, yes, I understand. You know, I see that it was with good intent. I thanked him for, you know, having the conversation and then, and then I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little annoyed by it. Right. So I take that away on my side to see like, what exactly is, is the issue. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's just very frustrating that my career could very much be impacted by individuals. And I think you and I have had this conversation before by individuals where I think they were that, you know, clearly, and I'll say clearly, but clearly to me anyway, clearly require um, a bit of personal development and self-introspection in terms of where they, these beliefs come from, because they not only damage themselves, not damage, but they also, they not only impact themselves or could be damaging onto themselves, but it could have like, you know, consequences on other people as well. I love how diplomatic you are. Seriously, Jean, (laughs) I would have used very, very different words here in this case. (laughs) And, and, you know, I also see uh, an additional perspective to it. So I appreciate that this person actually approached you, right, and gave you with positive intent, that's at least my assumption, this kind of advice. What often happens, in particular in large corporate organizations, right, is you hear a lot of hearsay, Mm -hmm. People talk and people pass information on and information become rumors and so on and so forth. So if I pass this on based on my own experience, that might have been very subjective. Yes, on the one hand, it could help. But on the other hand, it could also massively hinder. Hinder Mm -hmm. creating this speak up environment where people feel they can challenge in the most respectful manner. They can share ideas and they can share questions, their perspectives, because they may have a point. Right. Yeah. And we become overly cautious, if not even sometimes anxious and nervous, because we may hear such things. And Mm -hmm. I think what we all need to be more mindful, I think no one is, is perfect in that field, is to just check in with ourselves a bit more what decisions we are making based on what we are hearing. Are we challenging what we hear a little bit more? Do we have an open conversation about it? Do we do our assumptions actually play a huge role in the way we behave and yeah. so on and so forth? So you have this regular check-in and see as to whether you feel strongly about a point, you really believe it adds value and find a way to still express it. Absolutely. You know? I agree 100%. So coming back to the diversity, equity and inclusion point, in front yes. of me, I have a successful female leader with an Asian background. How has your background shaped who you are plus your career? It's, you know, <laughs> I don't, I'm like trying to find the diplomatic way of saying this, right? It has shaped it tremendously. I think that what I see, you know, it wasn't very obvious in the beginning when I first started in corporate, but as I slow, and, and I will say in my current employment, I'm seeing more of it. And it's very interesting. So, you know, two examples that I'll share on this is that, and I think this is actually more of a female thing than an Asian female thing, but there was, when I first started at the firm, there was an individual that he and I were having a conversation about, and it, it, you know, got tense because he wasn't understanding what I was saying. And, 
I just wasn't agreeing with what he was saying. And, you know, and he basically stopped the conversation and he was like, can you, can you just smile? Can you smile? And I was like, oh, we're not going to go there. Like, you can't say that to me. Wow. <laughs> like, that's not okay. Um, and then, and I handled it and I was like, and I basically said what I just said, just like, mm. um, you can't say that. Like, you can't say that to me. That's not okay to say. I think let's just pause this conversation and then we'll come back to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then actually most recently I was in another, I was on a conversation, a phone call. It was a, a phone meeting and with a colleague and male as well. And again, I was getting frustrated because he wasn't answering the question. And when I get frustrated, I maybe get a little tense. I don't like scream like, you know, or like get like, ah, like I'm not, you know, I don't go crazy. But it was interesting because then the person on the other line had basically said, can you lower your voice? You're coming in really loudly on the other side. And I was, and I was just shocked because that's never been said before. So I was like, I'm sorry, like what? And he's like, well, you're, you're, you're coming in really loudly on my side. So I was like, so I basically responded and I said, well, you have a volume control on your phone, right? So use the volume control and just lower it there. I, I don't need to know my voice. Like I am on actually speaker. And so like, this is my normal speaker voice. And so I think that right now, and these two examples, I think there's a couple of ways you can look at it. Right. And I think there, there are certainly people out there and they're saying, oh my gosh, you're overly sensitive. They didn't mean anything by it. They're just whatever, which may be the case. But I think when you can't escape my physical appearance and my personal being of Asian and female, right? I think there, what I've seen are that, is that there are these unconscious biases that constantly come up in conversation. And I think the world has moved past these silly, obvious, blatant, discriminatory behavior or comments. I think they know better because education has worked and awareness has worked in that sense, but we haven't really gotten to the core, which are the beliefs and the teachings and, you know, like what they're holding within them that create these unconscious biases that come out on a daily basis. And it's this, um, these unconscious biases. And sometimes it's even, you know, sometimes shockingly it's even more obvious than that is actually you know like blatant stuff but that's on their like one percent like people know what they can't say to get in trouble anymore but these unconscious biases come out in so many ways like as an Asian female am I supposed to be docile and submissive and so I can't challenge senior leaders or I can't speak loudly or I can't be firm because then I become the angry Asian girl or I become the emotional woman or do you know like these are are the beliefs that people hold that basically if you don't fit into that especially from your colleagues you know like if you don't fit into what they expect you to do if you don't fit into how your manager expects you to behave, it doesn't matter to a certain extent how much value you bring into the firm because that's all they can focus on, right? Because going back to that conversation of don't challenge senior leaders, it wasn't about 
the content anymore about the material conversation or the substantive conversation that we were having or what could be done to address the elephant in the room, which was, you know, the chief legal officer didn't get the full picture. It was, you know, you you shouldn't challenge them. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. But as a man, you could challenge them. Like, is this how it, is this what's going on? Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a very interesting dynamic in corporate. And I can only speak from my experience. I can't say that this happens for everybody. And I think a lot of people will jump up and say, like, oh, it's never happened to me. And that's fabulous. I think it happens for me on many occasions so that, you know, it, it is shown to me that these things still exist. And on so many levels, they still exist. And it becomes very uncomfortable as an Asian female where culturally we're supposed to respect authority, where we're supposed to, you know, be obedient, right? And that's how I was raised and, you know, be able to go with the flow and not rock the boat. And this is all culturally beneficial for us, but within the corporate culture, does it really help us? Like, or, you know, and then, you know, we do what we're, told to do on so many air in so many levels, but yet, um, but yeah, I'm not really sure people are ready going back to what you were saying before. I'm not sure people are ready to be shown kind of areas where maybe there are these biases or these beliefs that may not be beneficial to themselves or to the people around us that, that require a little bit of digging and introspection. I wonder how, we as women, you know, are as um, individuals from different ethnical backgrounds can make our voice be heard. Yeah. And I also want to highlight again, there are so many firms, organizations out there who are doing an amazing job, who yes. live it already. And it's yeah. brilliant to be a part of them, to work with them. There's so much energy and vibrance. It's it's incredible. And then you have some spaces still, quite a few of them perhaps, that you just described. Yeah. Right? Stereotyping others because um, they have a certain look and so on and so forth. And I wonder what's required, yeah, as I said, to make our voice be heard. Yeah. Now you are supporting women in particular. What what would you say to them or how would you support them in that yeah. instance? Yeah, I think that there's always a choice, a personal choice that we have to make when we are faced with these situations, right? We could choose to listen. I mean, we always listen, but like we can choose to say, okay, fine, I won't rock the boat. I won't challenge senior leaders. I'll keep it to myself. Um, You know, I'll be the obedient one, right? And then hope that by keeping my head down and doing the work, I'll get recognized. That's that's one way of doing it. And then you have a second choice and that honors yourself and your beliefs and recognizes your worth. And I guess the way I'm phrasing it, maybe not so much of a choice, but, you know, and then basically you stand up for what it is that you believe in. Of course, I'm going to put this in context in the sense that we stand up for it in a way that is, I call it professional, right? Especially in the corporate setting, I'll call it professional. But we speak out for ourselves. We say what it is that we need to say. We we make the best argument and we put it out there, right? We and recognize the fact that we can't control the outcome. 
We can only control what it is that we do. Here's the two things though. I don't personally, it wasn't, it was, it, it was a tough choice. I'll say that, but it wasn't much of a choice because what were my choices? If I were to have said in that moment to my managers, like, okay, fine. I, you know, sorry, I won't say anything anymore. I'll, I'll be very careful next time. Instead of presenting a different argument, instead of continuing to speak up for myself, then it reinforces his beliefs, whether or not we know it, it reinforces his beliefs of how we're supposed to behave. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but so it gives him more power and it shrinks our own personal power Mm -hmm. because we've given, we've exchanged this concept of our value, our worth, our thoughts and opinions are important. And we exchanged it for his approval, for his comfort, for his box. Right. Or we can say, you know what, I strongly believe in and stand behind what it is that I did. I know I didn't do it in, with bad intent. I know I was you know, trying to really help the situation. And I get the fact, like, look, I, I put my best foot forward. People may not have liked it. And I understand that, but like, I didn't do it in an aggressive or unprofessional way. And I'm okay with it. And I will continue to stand up. And I will continue to say something if it doesn't feel right to me. And in that situation, that choice allows for your energy to expand, for your resilience to grow, for your confidence to grow too. But ultimately, the, the, you know, the consequences could be very much the same. People don't want to hear what you have to say all the time. You may rock the boat a little bit. You've already rocked the boat, quite frankly. So you can either grow from the situation or you can shrink from the situation. So that's really your choice. And I think as individuals, as as women who are leading, right, and who are looking to create a different path forward, we have to get comfortable, and I call it the inconvenient truth, we have to get comfortable with the fact that we, as women leaders, will be an inconvenient truth for so many individuals out there, both men and women, because we're literally changing the world, right? We're changing people's ideas and planting, we're like pulling out the existing harvest and planting new seeds in there that will give us a more bountiful whatever, you know? And and to do that, it it will rock the boat. People will be like, oh my God, why are you doing that? Like, you can't do that. But no, we can't, like, we can. We're the next generation. We are that next generation of success that's that's going to come through, that has appreciation for what's come before us, but we can choose whether or not we're going to comply with, you know, these boxes that are Mm. created for us. When I heard the inconvenient truth for the first time, I was like, ooh, that sounds a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but then the seeds analogy, the bounty analogy, like made me really energized about it. And it opens <laughs> up this vision of what could this change look and feel like, right? Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing this with us. Um, and I'm a huge fan of thinking about what's the choice you have? What are the options, mm-hmm. right? And where might those options lead you? Yeah. And just think it through and um, build a support network around you where you can test the waters perhaps a little bit, experiment with challenging. If you don't want to go straight in there, right, you can go step by step. And also why the support network is obviously really important is 
you need some cheerleaders around you mm-hmm. and some people catch you when you fall because you will stumble and fall from time to time, mm-hmm. but you fall forwards. That's the most beautiful thing about it, right? You still yes. learn, you still grow, but you get up again. And that's the beauty. Or do you just want to stop challenging and stop sharing and stop learning perhaps from yeah. that as well? Yeah. You become complacent. And, yeah. and you know, what? I, and there's, I think for us, because we talk about leadership and because we coach others, I think for us, complacency is not really an option for us, like for for someone as yourself and myself. I think complacency works very well for others and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But I think that our audience, when we say complacency, would also be, it would not feel comfortable to them because they know that there's a bigger and a better possibility out there, like a world out there for them. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to come back to um, your work that you're doing with high achieving women, right? And um, you talked about it before, you mentioned it on the website that you are using the success method. Yes. yes. So a method always makes me feel very intrigued um, because it usually gives you a really cool tool or even a few tools you can follow, you can build new, healthy, successful habits. Mm -hmm. You can follow, right? It's like a guide, a guide that walks with you. Yeah. So what guide is the success method? Yeah. So it is a five-step method and I'll explain it kind of an overview. It's premised on everything that we've really been talking about, Catherine, with regards to reassessing and redefining ourselves. And, and I don't want to say like, oh, redefining, I actually want to say like rediscovering who we are, because I think so many of us who are ambitious and high achievers, I'll say for myself, and I know for many others too, I I think that we had limited possibilities, or we had believed that there were limited possibilities to make more money, to, you know, be higher ranking, to succeed or whatever it is, right? To have financial stability, to have comfort, whatever it is. And at this point in our lives where we've reached this level and we look and, you know, if, if we're coming, if people are coming here and saying like, all right, what am I missing? Then what it's, it's, it's a very strong indication that whatever they've been working under is no longer working. It requires a reassessment. And so this success is really meant to do that for them. It's to rediscover who they are, to really take a look at what defines success for them because they've worked, they've achieved financial stability to a certain extent, right? Because financial stability is always just the next day ahead, quite frankly. They've achieved certain status levels. They've achieved a certain level, like style of living. They have perhaps the family, but all of that is what I think most of us have been told that we needed to go after, that we needed to go and chase, right? And so few of us have really had the luxury, I'll call it, of looking at what it is that truly defines success for us, because we haven't truly been able to experience it. So the first thing that we really need to do, and this is, sorry, like kind of a long background to it, but the first thing that we really need to do, and this is what the S stands for, is to look at what our current levels and definition of success is. What has defined success for us? How many of those definitions or checkpoints have we achieved and how do we feel about it? And I think most of us who are here asking this question will probably be like, oh, you know, it's great, but there's more, right? It kind of goes back to like, there's more and I haven't done this and I haven't done that. 
rather than really being able to appreciate what I have done. And then it's really the next few steps are really looking at, well, okay, so if this is what success has worked, you know, has worked for you in this way, right? What's missing? And let's take another look at what success is really for you. How do you really define success by going into your values, into what you really believe in here from the heart place, not so much from the head space, but from the heart space. It's not so much what you need to do. It's what you choose to do at this point. And you can't make those decisions or I don't want to say can't. So, and the best way to make those decisions is to truly understand who you are here right? Because I can make a million dollars and start asking myself, well, I haven't made a billion dollars yet. So where did I go wrong? Yeah. Right. And I can make a billion dollars, but I am not a trillion dollars yet. So where did I go wrong? And so many of us get into that group. So we're constantly chasing after the success, but what does money truly mean to us? Mm -hmm. When have we asked that question? What does money truly mean? We are always chasing money. Every single one of us is working hard to chase the money. But when we stop to truly experience what it can provide, then we start to, number one, achieve more of it, which is, you know, kind of counterintuitive, right? But also we start to understand, okay, I want more of this experience in my life. I want more of this feeling accomplished. I want more to be able to help people and feel like I've had a direct influence on their lives. And I see you know, like kind of what you were saying about your client before, right? Where you just shifted slightly their perspective and they went into this tenseness, this need, this lack into this pure giggling ease of it. It was beautiful. Right? Yeah. 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 And you thrive off of that. And so like, there's so many people out there, they, they haven't taken that time or they haven't believed that they have the luxury of finding that for themselves. And that's really what the success method is created for. And and that's like the steps that we go through. We really look at, you know, I kind of see it as like, you know, if you ever go to the mall, you see, you get the map and they have that big red, like you are here sign. Right. And so like, that's where we start. You are here. Let's get this. Right. And then it's like, okay, where do you want to go? And so many times, I don't know if you've ever asked your clients this question. I've asked them every single time. I said, where do you want to go? Tell me, what is your destination? And it's not about the destination. It's always about the journey, but you can't, like your journey can be very different if you have a destination in mind versus if you don't have a destination in mind. So many clients don't have a destination. And that's the scary part because then they're just doing and they go into this like hungry ghost concept, right? It's empty. Every single achievement is empty because it doesn't have meaning for them because that's not what they wanted, but they just never, but they got caught up in it and never really Mm. took that time to like, look at what it is that lights them up, what it is that they're truly working for. And I wonder as to whether that's very, very strongly connected to your bigger purpose, Mm -hmm. right? I think you mentioned to me or in in preparation for this call, your big purpose are your kids, for example. Yeah, And it's so important to keep that in the back of our minds. What's our why? I worked with a lady today who started off by actually trying to figure out what's my next step and where am I heading to and to still 
be perceived as successful, mm -hmm. right? And leadership, leading a team, doing X, Y, and Z. And the culture of the organization has shifted with uh, an acquisition, uh, completely mm -hmm. changed. And success is being defined differently in her role. She's being perceived differently and so on and so forth. To cut a long story short, actually the realization was, that's not my why. My why is actually, I worked really hard for my whole life so far. I'm in my 50s now. I still have quite a few good years to go. I hope mm -hmm. so at least. So let's make most of it. Yeah. I now have the freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, because the pressure has gone down as well because of this acquisition, yep. which is a, is a good outcome that we may have forgotten to look at. Right? Yeah. And she says, now I can actually enjoy that. Yeah. I went shopping spontaneously the other day. How good was that? <laughs> and all of those realizations, right? So my why is now, um, so, so she said, to enjoy some real quality time and to be more present in life and mm. to have a few more giggles and fun. That's and beautiful. I, I thought, oh, I love that. For oh, her. how good is it to yeah. also take that pressure off if you actually somewhere in your body, you will feel that this path of striving for a certain career up the ladder might not be the right path anymore. Yeah. But it sometimes feels hard to overcome that and to say, you know what, actually that's not important to me anymore or not yeah. as important anymore. Yeah. And suddenly you can remove yourself from it. And the liberation that may come with it, right? It's just incredible. It really is. It really is. And she, I mean, that's a beautiful example. And you know, not to turn this conversation negative. And then you have individuals who look at it in a very different, and I love the fact that she was able to see that, right? And, but there's others who would look at it and be like, oh my God, where's my value? I'm no longer busy. I'm no longer needed at the company. But so like, I'm so lost. Where's my value? And I worked 50 years of my life to get here. How can I shift now to do something different? Mm -hmm. Like, am I willing to give it up? And what does that hold for me? Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many people out there that fit into that category too. They're like, well, I, you know, pursued this area. I remember a client of mine, I no longer work with her, but she was in compliance. And so she's like, I don't like it. And, you know, she was not happy and she's like I want to pursue something different I was like go pursue something different go do it I'm too old and I've already worked so hard to be here and I've already you know and I was like okay that's that's their choice like you know and as coaches as you know we can only do it's it's their choice we can't make them do something right so I was like okay and then, so, you know, like, are, are you happy here? Well, but, you know, it's kind of like the devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't know. If that's how you want to live life, that's, that's perfectly fine. That's your decision too. So I think it's just, that's why when you said that with your client, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then versus like, there are so many people out there that just, you know, and this is why it's like, I think I'm so passionate about helping women at that level because it's never too late. Yeah. You've never like reached too much success or too far into your career to be able to have a shift. Because if you look at it from the standpoint of everything happens for you, all of the skills and the experiences are transferable in many different ways, maybe not directly, but there's absolute value in them. You can always get to that next level. Always. Yeah. Uh, well said. And at the same time, I do appreciate anxiety, Deeply and rooted habits. Yes. 
yeah. right? Baggage we bring from our past and that are tough to overcome. Yes. Right? And so I also want to honor the women who say, you know what, for me, it's just too scary. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't do it or I don't feel in the position at the moment to do it. Mm -hmm. Everybody takes their own time. Yep. And, and that's key as well to acknowledge because as you so nicely said, we can't force, we can only support along the way and be there and offer options and and challenge, but yeah, then the work has to happen by the individual, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let's have a look at your career path so far. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm curious (laughs) what let's, let's reflect up on you. What do you think were your success factors? What helped you become a successful high achieving woman in leadership slash leadership coach? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting because I grew up never really thinking I had an option, never really knowing I had an option. I had one path and one path only, and that was to gain financial stability and to do that through some form of professional career choice. And I say that very lovingly because, you know, my parents are immigrants. And so I was four years old when we moved to the United States. And so all I knew growing up and all I saw growing up was my parents, you know, how hard they worked to move us from neighborhood to neighborhood, ultimately helping us gain a level of comfort, right? And so they worked their tails off to provide this level of comfort for both myself and my younger brother. And throughout that time, they basically had said, look, you have to study hard, get good grades. It was very much focused on us getting into um, a good university. And then afterwards, they're like, you know, for me, at least they said, you have to go and gain a professional career, professional in the sense of like lawyer, doctor, whatever. It had to be like one of those fields so that I could always be, and it's it's great logic if you think about it from their perspective, right? I would always have a job no matter what, because even if I didn't have a job, I can create a job, right? Because as a lawyer, as a doctor, whatever, you can always open up your own shop and you have a job. And so I followed that. And I, you know, I, I entered into university and I was like, okay, let me, you know, like what, what are my options? Right. And then, so I saw all my friends around me and finance was big at the time because that's where all, you know, all the money was made. You have investment banking, like, oh my gosh, if you became an investment banker, it's like money. And I was like, okay, well, you know, if they can do it, I can do this too. So let me just go down this path and never really taking that opportunity to like look into what I wanted to do or what, you know, I thought was interesting. And there were points where I was, and I actually did very well in my marketing classes. And at at some point I was like, oh, maybe I can go into marketing. Right. And then, but then like when I thought about, well, but then the starting salary of marketing uh, positions is so much less than the starting salary of investment banking positions. Okay. Maybe I'll just go back into finance. So it was very much like focused on what I could make rather than what I love to do. So it was very different. And so I worked hard. I actually um, went back into school after a couple of years in finance. I got my law degree, AKA professional career. I, I chose law. And then, so I was like, okay, you know, I can do. And then I came out, I was like, I don't really want to do lawyer for many different reasons. And then, so I went back into finance and I worked in their compliance department, kind of meshing the middle of 
business and law. So I was kind of in that middle and it was fun and, and it benefited me. And then, so I, you know, it was interesting because when I first started, I thought there was something wrong with me because I would go into work and feel miserable. I would go into work and like, I didn't like the environment. It was also myself. It wasn't just the environment. It was myself. I was so unprepared for what was to come. And so I, it was just such a hard start. And then, so I would switch jobs, you know, kind of hoping to find my footing in the door, et cetera. And there's like another backstory to that, but ultimately I did find my footing in the door. I I found like kind of my way of doing things. And when I stopped worrying about what would my manager say and how can I do this and how can I please them? Right. And then just really started focusing on like, what is it that I do best? What is it that I can bring to the table? What is it that I can, you know, like I can find little avenues, little pockets of unsupported areas and like really focus my attention on that because I knew I could help them. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, and then it just grew. Like that's how my career just kind of like grew. And then like, and as it grows, you gain more confidence. And so like, you're like, okay, I can do this. And then it would continue. It's kind of like the compound effect, right? It continues to grow. Yeah. And so you know, it, it was interesting because once I stopped worrying so much about what other people thought and just focused on helping other people, my career took a turn for the better. The trajectory took a turn for the better. And then I was like, okay, so as it took better, I was like, okay, well, my money's coming in more, but yet I'm still not happy. Like, this is weird because I thought that a career in finance, making more money, having more, you know, like freedom, getting higher titles, climbing up the ladder. I thought that was supposed to bring me happiness, right? Because isn't that what I was promised? Isn't that what they all say? Like, (laughs) I'd be happy. And then, so like, I was unhappy. Oh my gosh. This was like when I was 40. So like five years ago, I would wake up every morning. My husband usually would drive me to the train station. We had kids at that point, moved into a beautiful house. It's the house that we live in now in a great neighborhood. And I was like, why am I so unhappy? Like, I don't want to do this. Like it felt miserable waking up, going to the office, coming back. And as much as I love my kids, like, you know, coming back, having to take care of them and just going on this repeat cycle. As why, like, what am I doing this for? I'm undervalued at work, despite everything that that's happening. I'm still undervalued. I have more to give. I just can't even figure out how to give it because there's no opportunity to do so within the office, right? Mm. And so then I started looking, poking around the internet. I was like, you know, something's got to change. Like, I don't know what it is though. And so I believed in psychic. I believe in psychics. Um, and definitely I always had astrology growing up, whatever. It was part of our, you know, culture. And I was like, oh, maybe they can tell me. I don't know. Like maybe I can find something. And so I started looking around and I started looking into the spiritual kind of sector. Mm-hmm. And um, I found coaches who are intuitive, who are being able to kind of share some insight that I wasn't able to see. And They then, you know, I started working with them and everything changed, like everything changed. I stopped questioning my purpose. I stopped wondering what this life was about. I stopped wondering what the nine to five was about. I stopped, like my perspective changed, my mindset changed because I didn't see myself as a prisoner of my life anymore. I saw myself with 
was just so much more availability to me, like so much, so much more opportunity for me. And so when I saw that, when I saw that there was a different way of doing things, when I saw how much ease it brought into my life and how much more, I mean, more in terms of like promotions, in terms of salary, in terms of, you know, opportunities, in terms of joy, like it's well-rounded more, right? And I was like, there's no reason why any of us needs to suffer ever, no reason. And so that's why I was like, you know what? I've, I've got to share this. I've got to like, I want to, I, you know, it's interesting. I always wanted to be a doctor because I always wanted to help somebody. And then so, and, but yet I couldn't do med school because I sucked in, you know, all the pre-med uh, <laughs> courses definitely didn't do well. And I was like, oh my God, this is my way of helping people. This is what I love. Like, I love having conversations with my clients. And then afterwards they're like, thank you so much. Like, this makes me feel better. This like has brought clarity. Like I can see different, you know, like options and opportunities for me. And they experience the same like changes. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is amazing. This is so amazing. And so that's how I went from corporate and started this pursuit of working with others. And my side business is just a vehicle for me to do that. But it really is. It's just that it's so it's I live for it. I really live for it. And it's like I even do that in corporate, too, because then, you know, like with individuals that are there with coworkers that are there. I see them too. You know what I mean? Like I see them going through the same thing. And then, so I'll reach out and I say, Hey, you know, if you ever want to talk, happy to be here to talk. People have reached out to me and they've seen how I have grown and they're like, how did you do it? Can you share with me how I, how you do it? And so it's like, and I'll share with them. Absolutely. And it works like it worked for them too. So I was like, gosh, if only people knew, if only people knew. And so like, that's why I went into like the side business. Yeah. Sorry, long-winded answer. <laughs> no, beautiful answer. And you know what? It was so brilliant to see you when answering this question because there, there was literally like, you were shining, basically. <laughs> um, there was so much joy and light and, yeah, vibrance. I uh, loved it. Here, we, here you will now get my very pragmatic side uh, that the listeners will already know, because I always <laughs> want to know, so how does it work? You got into this intuitive way of working, right? Mm -hmm. You mentioned spirituality as well. But how did it practically work? What, what was happening there that you had this moment of, oh, my God, I'm not get, getting caught up anymore about being the prisoner of my life, the mm -hmm. nine to five and all of that. I just enjoy myself basically yeah. what, what was happening there yeah so um it really started with the coaches really working with me to show me how I am creating a lot of what I'm experiencing actually all of what I was experiencing they highlighted the beliefs in our conversations right and actually It first, like the, I remember the first intuitive coach that I had, it was a friend of a friend. And so we would have these conversations and it really was about helping me to better understand my own intuition and how that works and being able to develop it and being able to work on it. 
And it was, it's so long ago, I don't even remember the actual details, but we really focused a lot on honing my intuition and helping me accept the fact that I am an intuitive and that I am able to have this ability to, you know, like trust the gut instinct that I have for myself, be able to, you know, use that and how to do that in in real life. Right. And it's not like just sitting here and it's like, okay, reading the tarot or reading like a crystal ball every day. That's great. People do that. But like, as a professional in corporate, like I can't bring a crystal ball to work to be like, this is what I'm going to do today. Not gonna <laughs> oh, you can try. <laughs> you can try. You can try. <laughs> Maybe like when we do the work from home, I can do that. But even then, um, you know, you're so busy. You don't really have the thought process to do that. So it really started off with like helping me better understand who I am. And then it started then with like, you know, kind of a vulnerable point here at that point in time too. I remember there were a lot of changes in my life. My husband has shifted his job as well. Like, and so he took on um, a job that was at a startup. So with startups, lesser pay, um, inconsistent income. And so we just moved into this brand new house that cost us a whole lot more on a monthly basis. And so things became very stressful for me from just a professional and a personal level. And so having this ability to have somebody to talk to, to and then to have this person say like, well, you can change it all. It's not, you're not the victim of your circumstances. You're the creator of your circumstances, right? And evolving in the way to kind of show me how to be more of the creator rather than the victim of like that's really where a lot of the shifts started to happen for me as well and I want to say like there's like a a pragmatic step-by-step point but when I stopped trying to control everything and I started to try to understand my situation things really just started easing up a whole lot And so I call it universal support. I call it just, you know, like investing in myself at that point that, you know, like I saw immediate returns on investment somehow it's, you know, the universe providing it is what I say. And that's really where I was invested, right? Like, oh, all I have to do is invest in myself and learn more, start to shift my mindset and look, these things just automatically started coming in. I made more money that year. I remember the minute I like invested more, my bonus came in that year and it was way more than I was expecting. And like things just started changing and it wasn't like hard change. It was like, Hey, you know, you kind of like shafted me last year in my bonus. I expect for you guys to fix it this year. We'll see. Okay, fine. Well, you know, this is what I'm expecting. And then it just came in. And then so like, I know it, it. I know it doesn't truly fully answer your pragmatic question, <laughs> but I, there's a part of it. It's like I think once you make that investment in yourself, I think things just start to fall in line when you start to like stop feeling like the victim. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, absolutely. I I often call it um, the moment you let go. Yeah. You don't hold forcefully on to something that can be your beliefs it can be people it can be whatnot things suddenly start to shift so I know 
I, I believe I know what you mean. And I believe I have experienced it before as well. I just always try to explain it to others and it's yeah. not that easy to explain. <laughs> it's not that easy. No, because it has a lot to do with mindset, with emotions, with, as you said, intuition. It's not something you can literally hold in your hands and that's it. That's the booklet. Just follow it. You know, yeah. it doesn't work like that. But yeah, just, just to repeat it or to emphasize it, for me, it's often about letting go and trust yourself and trust the moment. And I have a lot of coaches, friends or facilitator friends around me who panic a lot about income. Understandably, competition is high, has a lot going on, right? You have to position yourself and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. And as to whether it's helpful or not, but I often say, let go of that pressure, right? Do your best, serve. For me, it's important to have a plan in place. But I also know I can trust myself. I can trust my option B and Z and so on, you know, if things would fall apart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing the best I can every day. Trust it. And the moment they let go, suddenly a new offer comes in or a new potential client or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so whew, take deep breath, basically. <laughs> Jean. Do tell us, where can we find out more about you and all the great work you're doing? Oh, yeah. Um, so for more information about me and how to work with me or anything else, uh, they can go to my website. It's uh, jeantn.com. And yeah, that's where they can reach out. And if they have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Happy to answer any questions because that's, yeah, that's why we're here. Thank you so, so much. So if you want to learn more about intuition, letting go, building a life of ease and more joy, diversity, inclusion topics, or simply talk to another human being about your way of being and leading, then Jean is the person for you. So do get in touch. <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation with you this morning, Jean. Same. It's been such a joy talking to you. Thank you. Same. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I loved it. <laughs> I hope you can head out now, get your coffee to go yes, and reward coffee. yourself for this fantastic job that you Coffee done. and some aloe for this burnt skin of mine that I just can't stop looking. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so red. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. But here, yeah, another piece of advice for the listeners. Yeah, look after your skin. Um, the sun is coming back out. So oh, yeah. make sure you don't get burnt. Mm -hmm. But again, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And to all of you out there thank you for listening looking forward to hearing from you reading all your feedback as well have a wonderful week and i speak to you again very soon bye bye thank you so much for listening to the legendary leaders podcast if you enjoyed this episode then remember to subscribe to the show either on itunes spotify amazon music or on my website www.kathleenmerkel.com I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.